Sentiments. What's good, people? It's Reg. It's Stone. And this is a momentous week. Years ago, I was drunk in a bar, a local bar, and I made a promise that upon death of one former president, I would go there and buy out the bag for that entire bar. That day has not happened, but we've gotten just a little bit closer. I'm going to get fucked up tonight. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Your boy's going to beat the charts, though. No, no, I got faith. I, I will, you know I will, first of all, I will not say his name like his uh, Yo. best rapper friend. Yo, he's going to beat the charts. Like, he's beating so many charges, dude. Like, nah, like he took he, he, oh, he the, the McDonald's are finally caught up. I think I think this is it. Like, I, I got faith. You know he's going to have somebody like take the fall for him. He's a mob boss, dude. Nah, like he's, straight he's up, gonna, he's a mob I'm boss. T- <laughs> I'm telling you, it's look. He's he's definitely. It, this is it. This is a rat for him. All all that's going to happen in the year 2048. <laughs> The, the appeals and the trial be over, and then you know by that time he's gonna be like ninety something. Go wheel his coffin <laughs> into the jail or something, bro. Like, like, like. I mean, the only thing I would say is like, you know, maybe he'll go in, in hiding in Florida. You know, he'll he'll be Florida man, like legit, it's, like just <laughs> the fugitive. It, it, imagine he's trying to have like a shootout with the cops, just out there looking like Malcolm X in the window of the fucking. You know the sad thing is he's probably not gonna have a shootout with the cops. Oh yeah, he's too dude, dude. dude. <laughs> I can't. Im- he's the kind of person I'm pretty sure when he stands up. And no shaming, but like at his age, it's uh, it's like you guarantee when he gets up, he like takes some twenty minutes to catch his breath again. You know what I'm saying? Well, oh yeah. He does not scream out ath- athlete. You well, I'm, I'm yeah. I'm just saying like the cops would be like, we got you. Like, we, we, you know, we're not going to have a shootout with you. Like, you're our idol, you know? Like, like. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I forgot about the whole stopping authoritarian thing happening. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, as usual, we're going to start off. Um, I'll take this stone. Um, we've got an ally, new ally, you know what I'm saying? Ding, ding, ding. Off the streets, you know what I'm saying? Courtney Love basically kind of lambasted the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, she named a wide variety of artists, but uh, definitely focused her ire concerning Black Woman, concerning Big Mama Thornton, concerning Chaka Khan. Basically, kind of called them out for being one big boys club, and I am absolutely not mad because she's a hundred percent right. Um, at the end of the day, it's rock and roll is kind of fascinating because I'm going to ask you this question: Does, does that have a, I think it's got a distinct branding problem. And in my mind, it was always the fact of where, like, you know, styles change. Did it really change with it? But now I'm thinking about even the the way, like, like the way the world is now. A lot of what we consider rock is still the same generic type shit. Like, nothing's really moved forward culturally. Like, there's no weird, crazy, like, like, like sadly enough, I would say the, the boundary pushing of the 70s. As far as gender, as far as idea, as far as politics concerned, like none of that shit happens in rock and roll now. That's just that's just boring. Let's fuck, bruh. No, no, for sure, for sure. And, and it's crazy because I, I I will say, and maybe there's hope. I feel like we said the same thing about jazz, probably about True. ten ten years ago, right? And, and jazz has evolved. Um, it definitely will take more people of color <laughs> 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 and more women for rock to evolve. <laughs> 
um, and have have them, you know, and less gatekeepers, right? Like, you know, you're still like your dusty ass, like rock, you know, like you know, like the rock and roll hall fan voters, like your rock journalists. They're they're everybody. That's all these dudes still look living for like '91, right? Yeah, um, and you know, you got your enemies, like things like that. Um, and I think like the even like the term rock star, like you know, is a term that we have <laughs> in the hip hop community, you know, appropriated, you know, <laughs> um, like like the whole idea of a rock of rock and rock music. I think it, it's it's so entrenched in this kind of like I don't know patriarchy. So, eh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe no, maybe it should die, you know. Um, no, you got a point. It's it's entrenched. It's it's the idea of where like if if we're if we're complaining about rock and roll not recognizing motherfuckers from the fucking forties and fifties who are foundational, why would they recognize somebody in in the in the in the two thousands who are? So it kind of sucks. It's it's the idea of where you know. And again, you know, I kind of say the tongue in cheek of Courtney Love being a, a, an ally. It's not even really being an ally. It's like big mom. These are these are acts like a big mama Thornton who should have been there a long time ago. Even if you got a carve out against the Samuel Jackson Lifetime Achievement Award, <laughs> there's something here where you got you can't really not at least acknowledge the people who literally helped start the art form. And that's I think what's kind of weird and what's kind of infuriating is at the end of the day. You know, it's for the most part, you've got these foundational people where, all right, that's cool. You know, they might not necessarily have the the, the, the sales of the stones, but they're as important as the stones. And there's no real industry thing happening here where, you know, there's some, you know, it's a young artist, you know, arguing out over a fucking, you know, a Grammy or something. At the end of the day, these are it's just kind of recognizing who kind of started the genre. And it kind of sucks that, you know, and, and, and I won't diss them completely because they have improved slowly. You know, there was a point when rap was non persona non gata. There was a point where, you know, it felt like R&B at all wasn't kind of recognized. So they are making headway, but it is pretty glaring where a lot of these foundational figures are still just kind of like relegated to like the dust. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it, it's really interesting. First off, this Courtney, Courtney Love article, I'm like, is, is this article ghostwritten? <laughs> She's out here quoting Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> like she's talking about Shaka Khan. <laughs> why, why, why are we prejudging? Look, you know, Courtney and be out here. Maybe there was a you know binge night. I, I don't want to put it out there, but I will just say to speak esoterically, there's a very good argument considering how Courtney Love lives her lifestyle and how Shaka Khan lives her lifestyle that they both ran into each other <laughs> <laughs> quite often. <laughs> <laughs> you know she's quoting chuck d like i look I'm, I'm not mad i'm not mad like i'm not mad like you know do you girl um we need allies here you know even if it was goes written the fact that her name is on it i think it's gonna it bears some weight right and i, I think i think you know like look she's right and I, I, she's preaching to the choir here you know i obviously we want you know these institutions of music which people still look up to um to be diverse to you know be reflective of not only the makeup of music but also the origins of music in this country right which is Mm. (laughs) black music right and you know i i it's 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 kind of sad that we're back at this this um you know the same discussion 
but it is what it is. Um, you know, I thought it was really interesting too. Like she pointed out the Beastie Boys got their, you know, um, eligibility and, and kind of got their, um, like their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Um, and it took like Tribe Called Quest almost 30 something years. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about Tribe and, you know, and no knock to the Beastie Boys, but like, come on. Right. And I think like that's the kind of thing where, you know, all of these double standards kind of like are here and they, and they evolve. And I think like the, the 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 whole idea of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like as an institution, number one, the museum is trash. And don't go, <laughs> don't, don't go to Cleveland to, to go to the museum. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't just like I was in Cleveland. I had like a day to kill. But I'm like, if don't fly to Cleveland to go to the museum. Um, <laughs> but you know these institutions have to reinvent reinvent themselves, right? Like you know our country's getting younger, it's getting you know um, way more diverse, and if you want to survive in twenty thirty years, um, you you really have to reinvent yourself. Like who's gonna care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in twenty years, right? If they're if they're still inducting like Mumford and Sons, right? Um, I I just kind of feel like this this could be a really interesting turning point. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if um, nothing else, nothing happens. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it feels like, you know, it, the thing is, I think she said was crazy or even controversial, which is a first for Courtney Love. It was just relatively straightforward. It's, it's kind of things that kind of got lobbied at them traditionally, but it tends to be like more like trade rags. Definitely seemed more like, you know, people who are kind of just more focused on, let's say, the, you know, the social justice part, you know, for somebody like Courtney Love, who, I won't necessarily say he's known for, like you said, being political just by the nature of it being so well written. It's like it's 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 even playing somebody like that who shouldn't really give a fuck. You know, she's got her money, she'll be rich indefinitely. You know, her life is fine. So for her to kind of circle back and say, "Hey, you guys kind of suck," I could see it because I think even also there was recently with Pat Benatar where she kind of said, "Uh, I don't know if this is my steez. I don't really kind of you know." It just feels like one big fucking you know everybody clapping on the back, and it's kind of fucked up because you know. We're like decades in, decades yeah. into a lot of really groundbreaking, you know, rock bands that don't necessarily fit, you know, the archetype on top of the fact that it was started by POCs. So it kind of sucks to have any same conversations. These are conversations we could have been having, you know, in the 90s and the 80s. And we're still having them in the 2020s. So I kind of find it fascinating that, you know, these kind of eras are kind of being brought up because she's 100 percent right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, next up. Sad news. Um, I won't say necessarily mega sad. These brothers definitely lived a full life, but uh, we've got basically the last couple of months, we kind <clears> of <throat> lost two fantastic musicians, two foundational musicians, um, basically two members of Parliament Funkadelic. We've got uh, Clarence Fuzzy Haskins and we've got Calvin Simon. Um, basically... Both of them died. You know, any death is too young, but uh, 81, 79. You know, I don't know how much you could talk about Parliament Funkadelic. I think it's very, very, very easy to make an assertion that if you took them out of the timeline, you pretty much hip hop would look drastically different. Rock and roll would look that drastically different. I'd even argue to a certain extent disco by and by extension techno and other electronic forms of music would be drastically different they were one of the first big bands to kind of embrace synthesizers so right there again another like hit towards electronic music 
It's just like they're a foundational band and, you know, kind of, we kind of mentioned like Courtney Love where it's very easy to kind of see this line between like a Kirk, you know, from grunge to Kirk Cobain to, you know, alternative and everything else. But I think P-Funk doesn't necessarily get the props they deserve going back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of this, how much of a bedrock they are. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's really interesting. Um, So before this podcast, I went down a wormhole um, around like Parliament, Funkadelic and Parliament, Funkadelic and you know, the Parliament started as a doo-wop group, you know, and wow. they're, they're kind of like, you know, they that was the trend of the day. And then at, at some point, maybe there was just like the, the right amount of drugs. Uh, <laughs> they became like the Afro-futuristic uh, kind of funk band that you that we that we know uh, today. And, and I think you're right, Reg. It, it's just it's one of those things where. You know, they're kind of the foundation for a lot of different things, um, you know, and we haven't even gotten to like the whole samples. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, they're kind of like the, 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 the bedrock for a lot of hip hop samples, uh, things like that. Um, and I think, you know, everybody kind of knows kind of the, the top players in, in Parliament Funkadelic, like George Clinton, obviously, Bernie Worrell, Bootsy Collins, you know, Maceo Parker. Um, who also played with James Brown, um, you know, but I think like a lot of uh, people don't think about um, some of the original founders. Um, and, you know, it's really funny. I was telling Reg, I saw, uh, I'm pretty sure I saw both um, like Fuzzy and um, and Calvin. As they, they, I guess they had a split or something like that, and they're going around the country touring as original P. <laughs> 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 and, you know, but it's just like, look, that's just band politics. It's just like, you know, okay, I'm not going to like, like, I, I feel like there's like all this kind of craziness around the, the name and like the trademark. And mm. I think now George Clinton owns it. You know, it's just kind of like that. That's the music came from in the 70s. So I guess, you know, I'm not surprised that all that kind of drama happened. Um, what's a band without drama? Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, RIP, you know, and I think, uh, again, Everybody kind of knows the top of the bill, but like these guys are kind of instrumental uh, in the foundation of, of, of like the funk leg- legacy. Yeah, no, it's something you really can't like. It's it's enough where going back to like your point of the wormhole, there's times periodically where like I'll like I'm going to start working through the whole discography. You know, I'll start from like 1970 or 69 and work my way forward or, or, or sometimes vice versa. I'm going to start from some 80 shit and work my way backwards. And it's vast the amount of music they have. Yeah. And what's scary is that it's not even defective where they're kind of doing the same songs. Like obviously it's the same genre, but it gets weird. Sometimes it's more psychedelic. Sometimes it's more funk. Them is more almost even electro. It's like they are a really a musical force, and it's kind of weird. And I don't say weird, you know. I think that you know, among black folks, among hip hop, like they like George Clinton has a fucking medallion right there. You know, nobody kind of ever forgets the child Clinton now. They still use fucking George Clinton references in hip hop today. But it just kind of it's it's fascinating. Kind of once you do, when you lose your elders, you look at it. It's like God, goddamn, they're really kind of important in hindsight, and it kind of sucks that they passed away. Yeah, for sure. Yep, and so uh, I think we're going to start off new music a little earlier, but with good reason. Um, for the past year or so, JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown have been 
teasing a collaborative record. I remember reading about Danny Brown. Basically, there were a couple of JPEG Mafia tracks, his last record. And he basically said that the first time he thought, or the first time he heard JPEG Mafia, he was like, oh, shit, this young dude's coming for my job. <laughs> and he kind of panicked. And then, you know, eventually they kind of linked up, became really, really good friends and kind of started teasing a collaboration album. Um, it's album that kind of finally dropped last week. And it's and uh, to be honest with you, there's been a lot of interesting records, you know, good good and bad from Lana Del Rey to uh, Chloe from Chloe versus, versus Haley. Like this March has been really, really fucking popping. It feels like there's a lot of music. It feels like the pandemic music is still coming out, basically. But um, finally, this record kind of hit the streets and uh, it's a fascinating one. Um, I guess I'll start off from my perspective what I thought this record would be, honestly, was party music. I thought it was going to be a whole bunch of fun JPEG beats. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a whole bunch of guys cracking on the mic and joking. I was going to imagine a whole bunch of skits. I imagined a whole bunch of drug talk. And, and pretty much the only thing I was right on was the last one. Um, the thing is with JPEG Mafia is that he's self-produced. And he definitely has a, 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 a propensity towards really chopped up beats and kind of weird sounds. And it's something where it's kind of been tempered by his personality. So sometimes he'll have like a, almost an R&B sample and he'll pull like a singing, you know, voice that's kind of halfway between a real singer and halfway between ODB. You know, sometimes it'll be like almost aggro, he'll start screaming. He's somebody kind of who works kind of very textual and experimental. Um... I really don't think I was prepared to what he's doing here. This definitely reminds me a lot of like the LA beat scene stuff from the aughts. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, these crazy samples and crazy beats. And you just imagine there's a whole bunch of hip hop heads in the club somewhere where somebody's going nuts of the MPC. It reminds me of like Arab music. It reminds me of a lot of like, let's say very experimental instrumental focused hip hop. You know, that kind of begat things like, let's say, the lo-fi hip-hop movement. You could almost make the argument. But, uh, but yeah, no, they kind of, you know, for two rappers known for not necessarily always their talent, but definitely for the energy in their mic, this is the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, uh, uh, so my boy, I'm not going to call his name out, but he's just like, you have my two least favorite people on an album. <laughs> And I, they're, I, they're acquired tastes. They're both acquired tastes, and they they give you. <laughs> it's like, and they're both <laughs> on an album. Um, and I think, like you know, to be honest, like the first listen, I was kind of like, I don't know about this. And also, too, I guess, like the first, like, like I guess that's not pressing, but like the first um, drop of the album was not mixed correctly and apparently there was like a better mix in Bandcamp that kind of like went you know to Spotify a few days later um so I think like you know um I've listened to this album like probably three two or three times and I think it gets better and better um you know at on each listen I think like JPEG Mafia's production is just kind of like almost like a master class you know he's kind of doing like this crazy glitchy like you know kind of like what i don't even know what it is but he's also just you know incorporporating samples you can tell that this are, there's like a really interesting hip-hop foundation into it it's just like in a way that shit is almost like rock or like punk or like something you know it's just like it's, it's so 
off kilter but on kilter at the same time um and you know danny brown i haven't listened to danny brown in a long time um but you know it's like classic danny brown you know like like classic vocals and i i think like you know the drug references like things like that it's just like it's 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 a I, I think there it's, an, it's definitely acquired taste, but I think you know it's two dudes that are just kind of like. I almost feel like, you know, JPEG Mafia production wise is at his prime. Danny Brown is kind of like I'm going to kind of get back into the old Danny Brown, um, and I think like you know, it, it's a treat. Um, the the production itself reminds me of like Spank Rocks, like yo 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 yo, like from like yeah, 2000, yeah, I know. Like uh, I, you know, and I think you kind. It's probably a good complimentary album, or even like Jesus. I think um, because I think also too. Like I've just been listening to a lot of like low tempo hip hop and R and B. So you need like a little like you know, like uh, like you know when you do like ginger and sushi, it's like a palate cleanser or whatever. Because you need like to get to to get into that mode because this shit goes hard. Um, but you know, it's a dope album. I, I can see why people don't like it. Um, but the people I know who don't like it are the people who don't like Danny, Danny Brown and JPEG. I think if you are a fan of both artists, I think you will appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's, what's crazy to me is the fact that again, it's like they put a lot of work into this in general. Yeah. And I know we could try to crack a lot of jokes about, you know, maybe not accept the mixing, but it's just like, I, I, again, I expected it to be like, you know, a beat gets into somebody, you get two bars, you come out there. It's like really strange. Like, you know, that you have all these beat switches, you know, sometimes Danny will rap a full bar. Sometimes it's a 16. Sometimes it's a whole Danny, Br- almost a, a whole Danny Brown song towards the end. Cause it gets a little bit more slowed down. You know, JPEG sometimes it's like, it's just really chaotically made where the, the mix is the fact of where I said, the trick is the fact of where it sounds like dudes is wilding out in like one crazy studio session but realistically it must have taken months and yeah. months and months of editing and yeah. paying it out <laughs> yeah for so sure. it's like it's yeah so it's like in a weird way like i'm gonna say it's like my favorite record of the year but like going back to your point every time i hear it i hear new things yeah so it's one of the records where i know that you know when we do the roundup you know towards the end of the year i don't know if it'll be at the very tippy top but it'll definitely be in there because it's just a lot of things happening. So it's a record I could just imagining like, you know, every month or two, I'm like, oh, shit, I did Brown and fucking JPEG. And then putting it on and it's kind of like finding new little cool crack corners and new samples. Speaking of which, no fucking way they clear these samples, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they had no to, fucking though. work. They had to. They, could, they did not clear they these samples. I am, not, I am not going to sample snitch. But I heard some uh, um, some Tim Blake in there. There's definitely some Pharrell. There's definitely a lot of gospel songs lifted. Fucking, you know, they play like like 20 minutes of the gospel song before they actually drop the sample. I'm just saying that uh, it's gonna be very interesting if this album really, really blows up because I imagine a lot of a lot of blurred line things happening. Let's just say. <laughs> I, I. I mean, I'm kind of curious. I mean, you know, it's not like, I mean, the Timberlake sample is probably like a grip, right? But like, you know, the gospel samples, I'm sure you can clear that. I'm sure it's just like, you know, donate to the church. I'm just saying, <laughs> these are two individuals where I'm pretty sure if it's clearing samples or cocaine, <laughs> that budget <laughs> might go slightly in one direction. I'm just saying, you know, 
definitely professionals, though. All professionals, but, you know, I'm just throwing it out there that, you know, it seems from what I hear, a lot of the the, the, out, the, the image on the record kind of matches the image in real life, but in a good way, you know, not toxic way. So I just can't imagine them like, damn, you know, this sync sample might cost us, you know, like 300, you know, not 300, but, you know, it might cost us 80, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> my boy is calling and they're doing some big things in Vegas you know you know, a lot of strippers are there AVN awards I don't know which one we're going to do <laughs> oh man Ooh. that just like reminds me like, uh, like uh, I was like hanging out with this dude and he had to babysit a, an artist in Vegas because that, that artist had to go and perform or some shit like that but like that artist like had to like get to the it's like get him to the Greek basically like in real life. <laughs> it's like he's got a curfew. You kind of like he's gonna like sneak out on you, like he's gonna go and gamble his, his like fortune away. Like you gotta be like his body, like it's like eyes and ears and like like you, you know Oof. yeah man. <laughs> anyway. Alright, uh let's go into individual sections. Alright. Eve's Tumor, uh a personal fave of me and Stone. Yeah. Um I was quite surprised he returned for record so quickly. Um long story short, there was an EP since the last record where it was very stripped down and post punk. Kind of almost a definition of an EP. I think it was called the Asymmetrical World. I remember listening to it and I was like, Oh, it's pretty cool. It basically sounded like, you know, a very cheap seventies, essentially so. A very cheap 70s fucking drum machine, you know, a lot of heavy bass lines, very post-punk, very suicide, very Joy Division, but with a, with an East to More twist. You could tell it was very low stakes. Um, I don't know the track listing I haven't memorized, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was just basically him, you know, not he's usually band members or any, or any special guests. So, you know, a cute little record. And so, you know, when I heard this record coming out, you know, I see the whole glam thing. I'm like, all right, awesome, because, you know, the last record, I, you know, personal favorite of mine, you know, in recent memory. And it's kind of interesting because it's a fusion of both, I, I could kind of say, where you definitely like, particularly in the first two songs, because it's a trick where he kind of lets the drum machine play for like the first, like, you know, verse. And then all of a sudden the songs kind of open up lushly. So it's almost like the same idea where it felt like asymmetrical world was kind of like a demo for what these are happening. But as opposed to like, you know, just laying it down, I guess, again, like it's still a good sounding record. That one was kind of an intentional old like 70s pure post-punk. This one is kind of like more majestic. Yeah. You know, like like the later the later day Interpol weekend, I mean, Interpol records when they had a fucking budget. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> After turn on the bright lights. You know, there's a lot of fucking, you know. As usual, you have a lot, not a lot, but you have the complimentary female vocals he's known for. You've got a lot of the guitar work. You've got a lot of the vibe. And it's just like, you know, it's the thing is, what I love about this record is that it's just solid straight through. And I don't know which record I personally prefer, per se. I still think I prefer the previous record. But like the more I listen to it, the more I get into it, because it's really, really well written and really, really tight. And like the fact of like, there's even like this uh, instrumental, like like it's the second to last record, the second to last song on the record. Even that kind of melds in and kind of makes it cool because it starts off like almost some hip hop shit, 
and it kind of morphs into like the 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 East tomorrow and the current incarnation. So like I don't know, he, he just did it again personally. I get no complaints here, no notes. Yeah, you know. So I I haven't finished listening to this album, but I listened to probably like you know almost halfway through, and yeah, East tomorrow is like you know you know one of our favorite artists. Uh, speaking about rock and roll, like we saw them perform at Western Hall. That yeah. show was like <laughs> official. Yeah. That show was official, no, official. Bruh, you know, he <laughs> they had a fucking guitar solo guitarist in full Van Halen mode. Bro, like the, 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 the guitarist like somehow ran up to the balcony and was hanging off the side of the balcony with the spotlight. <laughs> like like that's rock and roll, fam. Come on, y'all. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah no so I, I listened to like the first half of this album and I I, I kind of agree so far like I, I definitely feel like um you know heaven to a tortured mind I think it's is it seems a little bit better like I'm like still more of my, of my favorite but you know I think that's only just because like that's attached to like so much nostalgia I like discovered that album during the pandemic and I think you know attached to that um, having that said I think it you know. It's really interesting because they found a sound that works for them. And it's just like, I don't know, it's like a trademark. Like, I now know a used Tumor, like, song and what it sounds like. And, you know, I see a lot of those elements here. Even though I was reading the Pitchfork article, he's got, like, you know, a bunch of, like, um, huge producers on the album. Like, Neil Goldstein. It still kind of sounds like this, the same album you know, in a weird oh, yeah. way. You know, um, so yeah, no, like the sound is great. You know, if you liked the 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 two thousand the album that dropped in two thousand, you'll love this one. Um, I don't think he's like they're doing anything that's like completely off the mark, but you know, I I just think like it's such a refreshing sound, um, and I think you know there's just a lot of quote unquote rock music just that that sounds boring, and I feel like Eve is just really trying to shake up things. And I, I truly appreciate that. Um, I see they're going to play Co- Coachella this year, which is a big look. Um, Congrats. You know, I, I really hope they do, like, something with, like, Uzi Vert or something. Like, I, I feel like there oh, needs be to awesome. be, like, like you know, some type of next-level thing uh, with them just because, like, I don't know. I, I it just it just it, it's one of, like, I feel like they're one of those artists that, like, if they had the right look, you know, I think it, it – you know, things could, could blow up. Like maybe there's a TikTok song out here. <laughs> TikToks are or, or, or a placement. Maybe there's a Netflix show. You, you know, know how Stranger Things. You know, like, maybe there's something. You know, a uh, shout out to uh, Pink Panthers and uh, you know because she got like the number two song in the country. Uh, the God. You know, the God Pink Panthers. Like from all pop music flows. You know, I, I feel like that gives all these artists hope, right? <laughs> Because <laughs> Pink Panthers is like that was a demo I did and like you know, uh, homeboy I forgot the dude's name Miramasa just sent me that and I just like sang over it and like sent me like an email. It's like the number two co- like album in the states. So anything is possible, y'all. <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy. Just get that TikTok loop going. <laughs> That's all it takes. Find a TikTok, find some dances. But uh, and the one thing is one more note I noticed also. So going back over the way the album was. And it felt like, like going back to the idea of rock music, like the the first record was very much early 70s glam. Yeah. 
And then what's cool is the fact of where, like, now we're, like, in 78, where it's more post-punk and moody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's still the same artist. So it's almost like you're watching, like, like you know, him speed run, not really necessarily speed run, but kind of just evolve slowly but surely. And it's kind of cool where it's not like he's like, all right, cool, you guys like this last time we'll do the same exact thing. It's like, no, it's, it's still it's still a different sounding record. Like He, came, he approached from a different angle. So it's just like, it's, yeah, it's like, like, dude is definitely, dude, they, they are definitely in some other fucking realm yeah. as far as concerned. I'm kind of afraid of the future because they they they're they're trying to come they're coming for next long story short. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, and that's a really good call out. Like it definitely felt a little bit more four to the floor, kind of disco inspired, but still that same sound. Like, oh, dude, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, next is the greatest. You know, in the future we won't recognize things by fucking dollars. We won't recognize things by wattage. We, you know, we won't recognize. We will only recognize Gex. You know what I'm saying? And this concept was introduced to us by 100 Gex. You know, they came out the gate with a classic record, 1,000 Gex. And they were like, there's only one way we can go. They've come back and given us 10,000 Gex. <laughs> um. Yeah, long story short, I'm I'm a fan, but I'll give you some background. You've got these two producers who are making tracks around the MySpace era, but we're kind of mutual friends and we're kind of from the same like like town neighborhood. They kind of linked up, you know, with while they had their fledging like you know online careers. They were like, hey, let's start a band. Um, as you can kind of tell, it's relatively low stakes, definitely tongue in cheek. You know, they kind of came out the gate as basically the, you know, uh, hyper pop kind of band, you know, A.G. Cook. Um, I forget the name of the record label top of my head. But, you know, towards the end of the we could make the argument, let's say, towards the end of the 10s. You know, you had acts like Sophie coming out. You had acts like A.J. A.G. Cook, yeah. who are kind of pushing the, the pop sound to its maximalist level. So a lot of it reminds me, the more I think about it, of old school Bjork. Because old school Bjork was very much, these are very well, almost like in that time of like, it's quiet, Broadway tunes. Very well constructed, very solid, almost like songwriting kind of, you know, the melody goes here, this goes here, that goes here. But with this soundscape that was definitely alien and crazy and, you know, not just going to sit there and put the fucking synthesizer in piano mode. We're going to take things to a crazy level. Um... 100 Gex did a lot of that while kind of doing these intentionally like silly auto tunes, while intentionally doing these weird chop up flows, while intentionally kind of borrowing from a wide variety of genre. So you might have a song that might start off with almost like a, a weird, like cartoony, trappy, with almost a hip hop flow, and then go straight into like a death metal growl. And what's kind of cool with this record is the fact of where they, you know, they kind of hit the ground running. The music critics love them because it's something different. You know, going back to JPEG and Danny Brown, it was definitely an acquired taste because I think they were being very intentionally annoying. Um, I will say, though, time has been kind to them, it feels like, only because that annoying has become more and more of the norm where that makes me worry kind of sense. It's like, you know, we're used to like weirdly more, even more weirdly tuned auto-tuned voices. We're used to like, I want to rock is like a minute and a half long, you know, but the burst of chaos. It's like things have kind of changed where I want to say, say they're a trendsetter, but they kind of knew the direction it's been going in. And what's kind of been fascinating with this record is kind of more of the same, a lot of that same chaos, but it seems oddly tighter 
where it felt like their first record was them, them kind of cracking these little jokes and like you know money machine and you know they're still their songs are still very silly they've got a song dedicated to a toothache but at that same time it feels and i hate to say this like almost weird al yankovic yeah. but in a good way because the thing is you know there's, there's, there's been a long history of pranksters and hip-hop pranksters and rock music you know, going, you know, even something like Frank Zappa had a song about, you know, Yellow Snow, which basically about Eskimos, you know, quote unquote, you know, a little problematic back then, you know, and then and, and basically eating the accidental fucking snow that got peed on. So that, that kind of humor is not new to rock music, but it's very easy to do. You know, I could crack a poop joke. I could crack a joke about farting. I could do all these things. Uh, the fascinating thing about 100 Gex, where it felt like a project of producers kind of bullshitting around and having, you know, letting the it's going being very creative is that they're getting almost weirdly professionally funny. Yeah. And, and I've only heard a few 100 Gex songs. To be honest, like the funny thing is, like, I, I, I avoided them because I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Just so dumb to the point where it wasn't worth my time. <laughs> my time is valuable, you know. Um, and I listened to like a, a handful of songs, and like it's it's really interesting because I I you know I thought it's gonna be like super glitchy and super like you know just like I don't know, but I I, I feel like when you say like professional, it's like you know it. it definitely feels like and i don't know like their earlier stuff but like, their later stuff feels like they are professionals and this shit is on purpose but we know how to make this shit <laughs> yes you know agreed and i i think i i really appreciate that um and i appreciate them like i i feel like again like music is a, at such a really interesting turning point where anything is possible in a lot of ways and i feel like you know, I I just feel like we we need artists like this who kind of are doing their own thing, who are just kind of bringing like this chaos into the world. Um, you know, because like not everything can be lo-fi R and B. You know, like yeah, <laughs> not everything can be boom bap hip hop. Not everything can be like Taylor Swift pop. You know, I I feel like we need you know doses of this um, just to kind of. Even if you don't like their output, they might inspire artists that you like, right? Because them taking a chance and them kind of doing, you know, whatever they're doing could inspire, like, you know, other artists to do the same. So, um, you know, I'll probably listen to this album because I, I actually, like I said, like I listened to a few tracks and I, I was not disgusted. I, I didn't catch my <laughs> pearls. Um, and I thought they were like oddly melodic and oddly like, you know, they have a song structure. It's like, whoa. Um. <laughs> so yeah, and, and I like I said, I just appreciate what they're bringing to the 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 music industry as a whole. Yeah, no, and and the thing is, it's it's uh. So there was a um. So Chad Powell, I don't know if you remember Chad Powell. They're like this industrially god fleshy, very heavy, look like corn band. You know, they came out of nowhere last year. Their 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 whole reason of existence is basically the fall of Americana. Mm -hmm. So it's songs about being homeless. 
songs about fucking police brutality, actually more like police corruption, songs about just violence, songs about fucking, you know, just, just very serious. And I remember there was an interview and then they were like, hey, you know, the interview kind of mentioned, it's like every time you, you see you four dudes, he's like, you guys are kind of like schlubby, like you roll out of the bed. And he's like, yeah, it's just like these motherfuckers come to us and it's like the interviewers are expected to, expect, you know, old black jackets, you know, very serious. And it's like, motherfucker, we live on earth. It's just like, <laughs> I smoke weed and play video games. And it's like, yeah, we kind of get together and jam and have this but it's it's we're normal people and that's what's kind of cool is the fact of where and like you said it's like they're trying but but not trying at the same hard yeah. it's like you know i think it's a girl's like stupid girl where it's like they crack a lot of little one-liners in it but even then it's kind of fascinating where it kind of plays in the trope you know again like the the tooth song it's like a, it's like a ska song so it's like even though like i hurt my tooth and it's a oh it's still a, it's, a, it's like a cool songwriting exercise so what I like about it again, like I said, is you can't everything can't be too serious. Yeah. It's like at the end of the day dealing with creatives. They're making fun music. And you know, a lot of times the genres are can get a little bit serious, you know. Even like with like let's say fun party hip hop, you know, let's think about to like Jermaine Dupree, you know, the arts. You know, it was almost serious partying. You know what I'm saying? The Spanish guitar has to go here. You know, the, the little John Adlib has to go here. Yeah. You know, we're very focused. The video is meticulously put together. You know, the girl dancing slow motion. You know what I'm saying? The guy picking up the champagne bottle. Yeah. And at a certain point, it's kind of cool kind of seeing kind of like just people kind of like wilding out. And you know what? I'm going to ready for this, though. And I'm going to land this plane. Okay. Which brings us back to JPEG Mafia. And Danny Brown. What? <laughs> what? And the thing is, you've got these, you know, these four individuals where they're they're making music for the fun of it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like, like JPEG didn't have to go that hard with the production. You know, Danny Brown is way, way, way too good an MC for what he's effectively doing. Uh, this is a dude that's known for party raps and the whiny voice, but he's giving you like like really socio, not, not necessarily heavy socio-political songs, but things about, you know, his his uncle scrapping to fucking survive in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like these aren't one note individuals and it's kind of fascinating to kind of see the fact of where despite, you know, having these careers, you know, despite doing X, Y, Z, they still try to find fun in what they do to the day today. And I think that's the goal of an artist. Thank you. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a concluded our TED Talks. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, I have a weird. All right, this is. I'm just going to hijack the fucking podcast. Remember Bronx, the party photographer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got like a self help, like artist thing going on now. Like it's like this little podcast of like with the same radio lab sounds and like for ten minutes he talks to you about art, very professional, very I can't even say new age per se, but very like hey, you know you should be out there creating, you know con, you know not even content, but like you know you practice your craft and this the sound like NYU professor and I'm just like <laughs> at the end of the day it's kind of fascinating to kind of see like you know the way like people have this image and you know again going back to, get right back to Danny Brown is this they still artists at the end of the day, you know, they try to find interesting things to do where, you know, Bronx is definitely somebody we see out there partying, kind of doing X, Y, Z, but it was still a craft to his photography and apparently even a method, what he was doing, what he was thinking. And that's what's kind of fascinating. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Random factoid guys. The only reason why that was brought up was because out of nowhere, I'm trying to fix my Bluetooth. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this voice? So I'm like, Oh my God, it's Bronx. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's kind of spitting. <laughs> Ah, and on that note, we love y'all. Stay safe. 
stay woke, and happy indictment day. <laughs> oh man! Uh, I well, you, you're in, you're in New York, man. Like, be be careful. It's, it's the January sixth part two is, is is upon us. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be so terrible. A whole bunch of guys in red hats are gonna huff, huff and wheeze up Fifth Avenue <laughs> to basically do nothing. Because <laughs> even though not to be funny. As we've seen with the right-wing ecosystem, you may have a lot of law enforcement on their sides, but at the end of the day, a check is a check, and they'll got Molly Wop with the fucking the nightstick like anybody else. True that. True that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as usual, we love you all. Thank you for listening, and we'll come back next week. Peace. Peace.